Father, we thank you for this message today, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you break yokes, Father, today. Every single yoke that's in us, Father, we break it right now, Father. We thank you, Lord, we release our voice, and following our voice shall follow the anointing that breaks the yoke, Father. We speak to the hard ground right now, and we say, tear up hard ground. We call the ground, in the, we talk, we call the ground to come up from its hardness. Oh, Father, make our yoke easy and our burden light, Father. Make our heart easy and our heart light, Father, because we want depths of freedom. We don't want to just feel freedom for a moment. We want freedom to go so deep in our spirit that we don't even know what to say and we can barely breathe of the freedom that is filling us up, Father. Oh, Father, I don't want a surface-level freedom where I just break something that's come on me. I want to break things that are within me. Oh, Father, take us deep today, Father. This message is called Flies in the Anointing. Flies in the Anointing. And it's one thing to have the oil and have the anointing, but it's another thing when the enemy comes and he tries to bring things, irritations in the spirit, things in the spirit, flesh, that tries to leaven up the bread, that tries to put, bring flies in the anointing. If you have flies, you, they get irritating. You want to hit them. It's like you're trying to, you have a diffuser in front of you with oil, and here comes flies coming around you, and you're trying to enjoy the oil, but here's the flies, irritating, irritating. And there was many flies even in Jesus' time that were bringing irritation in the spirit, that were even trying to distract and get people off the anointing, trying to, to contaminate the anointing. And as, or as Shane says, like, make the anointing rancid so it doesn't have the smell, doesn't have the, the effectiveness anymore. See, every time religious people come around, they're like flies. They come around and they come to dirty up the water. They come to dirty up the well. So here's right here in Matthew 12. It's your first example, 22 through 35. Then was brought to him, unto him one possessed with, de- with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb man spoke. So Jesus just did a miracle. And mind you, it's in front of everybody, in front of the Pharisees, in front of regular Jews, and all the people were amazed, were amazed, see? It was all, that's, you're going to see about the people. And said, is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, see, they were hearing, they heard the people giving glory to someone else. They heard the people giving honor to someone else and not the Pharisaical group or the Sadducees or whatever. So just remember their motivation. See, Saul was, remember Saul was motivated by men. The Pharisees are motivated by man too. Even Nicodemus could not even follow Jesus because of the other Pharisees, because of the fear of them. They said, this fellow doth cast out de- devils. See, wasn't, they didn't hear it from God. They didn't hear, well, this, this man's speaking, uh, casting out demons from devil. They, 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 they got jealous. They got competitive with, with Jesus because of the praise of man. So they decided to call, say that he has devils. This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And the funny thing is, if you actually look, at, look up Beelzebub, it's actually Beelzebub, the Lord of Flies. The Lord of Flies. We're going to get into that because that's another part of the Bible. But see, this is what they come to do. They're like flies. They come to, while everybody's amazed at Jesus' miracle, they come to be like flies and irritate the anointing and mess with the anointing so that people will get their eyes off Jesus. So that people... Because what do you do when you're, like I said, when you have a fly, you're trying to swat at it, it gets irritating, it takes your focus off of something else. I don't know about you, when I have a fly in my house, I can't do anything else until that fly is removed. I need to get that thing that you buy at, you know, the, the Lowe's, the electric thing, and just, I can't be swatting at them all day. I got to do this, the one boom, and you're done. 
And that's what, that's what we, need to, God, we need to do with these flies that are in the spirit. And it's going to get deeper than just religious people and pharisaical people that try to come around the anointing. Just like Shane was just saying, it kind of, I feel like, was confirmation even for the message. It's like we, when we wear the coat, it's like man, even Joseph's brothers were like flies around Joseph trying to contaminate the coat, trying to to make him feel like he wasn't worthy, trying to make him feel like he's lifting himself. Well, who do you think you are, Joseph? You're lifting yourself up above everybody else? Meanwhile, God was lifting him up. See, there's nothing wrong if God's lifting you up. If it's God, then you better not be jealous because you're messing with God. Maybe you should be jealous with a godly jealousy and go after God the same way Joseph's going after instead of having a worldly jealousy and wanting to kill him. See, then Cain came around wanting to... These, these are like flies irritation they come around when even amongst us and when people's heart get jealous or things see remember like that message we preached on the aroma it's like everybody's putting an aroma in the spirit whatever's in your heart will manifest in the spirit and eventually people's aroma start to stink up the atmosphere and it doesn't matter if you bring the anointing even in the midst of the oil they they'll be like those irrit those things that are in different people's heart will start to irritate the atmosphere and even though you can feel the power of god you'll be like there's something but there's this but uh, it irritates you see what are flies attracted to what do you see flies commonly all right garbage Garbage. that's one of the that's what i was going to say but when i searched it up actually it said that they're attracted to dead to to all types of decaying flesh and nastiness and filth those are all right and that's exactly what he's He's, the, the flies come around, they start to irritate the anointing. They start to frustrate the grace of God over time. I'm not talking about when people are struggling or, just, or, or constantly, you know, warfaring, doing what they got to do, and, and eventually they get delivered. I'm talking about people because, see, there's things in our life, there's flesh. See, you throw out your garbage, right? The, you may have just had the garbage dumped out by the garbage man. You put your garbage away. Then, you, you know, you develop garbage the next day. You throw out your trash, you're not going to see flies right away because you just put it in. You might see in the next couple days. That's like us. We, have, see, we might have things that we need to be delivered from, but it's, when, it's not until over time God is trying to kill it or trying to, to convict you of it and you push him away. That's when the garbage starts to stink. That's when the flesh starts to stink. If you don't start killing the flesh, if you, when God, God will see it's over time. There's, there's things in us that we're going to be delivered from in time or whatever. I'm not saying that, whatever, now you better repent from every little thing you're doing or that you don't know that you're doing. It says it's only sin unto you if you know that what you're doing. So if you don't know what you're doing, that's a different story. I'm talking about when God convicts you, but you let the flesh still stay, then the flies start coming. Then it starts to become an aroma in the atmosphere. Then your, your brothers and sisters start to smell it. And then they're like, then they get irritated. Then there's flies. Then there's then it starts getting in the anointing. It starts to contaminate the person itself or even contaminate the anointing amongst the corporate anointing because flesh cannot stand. No flesh can stand before God. Eventually, it has to die. There's a time of grace, but in that time of grace, you eventually have to bend to Him and deal. And God has paid. See, when it talks about that grace, it talks about, I think it's in Colossians. It talks about the grace that he, Paul said, I have not frustrated the grace of God. I have done all that I, that I, that I was supposed to do. See, there's a time, see, that even the Bible says that there's diverse graces. There's the grace that he, whatever, you know, the, the, what the, the other unmerited thing and this, that. But there's really the grace that empowers us to do his will. That's the grace that he's really talking about when he talks about in all those scriptures about grace. But then there's the grace 
of his patience where he has grace on you. Or like when you clock in, when you, when you work in a company and you're three minutes late, they have like a grace period. So if you're three minutes late, we'll give you that. But after that, then you're going to be marked down as late. See, there's grace that God has for us. But eventually when we start to spoil that grace, that's when things start to go down. That's when God says, just like he told those churches, he gave them grace even by just rebuking them because over time they were allowing all these things in the church, the six churches. And he said, I have this with you. I have this with you. I have this with you. But he gave them another chance. He didn't just take their, their, their flame out. He didn't just take their candlestick away. He said, I have this among you. I have this with you. I have, you you are the, have a problem with Jezebel. You have a problem with the Nicolaitans. You have a problem with all these things. And if you do not repent, I will come quickly. I will take your candlestick. See, there was a time of grace. But after that rebuke, if they do not heed it, that's when things start to happen. That's when it starts to become an irritation to God and God even stops pouring out his fire. What, did he, what, did, what happened in, in the temple when they poured out strange fire is God poured out the fire on them and not even on the sacrifice. And some of us actually start to burn if we don't let the flesh decay, let the flesh die, we start to mix our strange fire with the fire of God. That's really what strange fire can be, is you can actually have genuine fire of God in you, but mix it with the, wrong, the fire of the world, and then it's strange fire. You're trying to take the holy and profane things together. You're trying to put God and, and man, manly doctrines together, and then it's, it's strange. It becomes a, a nuisance. It becomes a bad aroma to God. And here, here's Jesus combating the flies because you're not going to let any flies around you, are you? You're not going to let any flesh start to smell and get in, the sm- get in the way of the aroma of the anointing, right? So then he says this, every ki- And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom, because they probably would have went amongst the whole city and said, Oh, well, Jesus is casting out demons by Beelzebub and all that. See, there was a swarm of flies in that day trying to invade Jesus' ministry, trying to get to everybody's mind so that they would think that Jesus is crazy. They were trying to, like we've preached before, demonize Jesus. They were trying to put that in the back of people's minds. So every time they see Jesus doing miracles, every time they see Jesus preaching and doing all these things, that's in the back of their mind. But, he out, but the Pharisees think he cast out demons by Beelzebub. You can even see here in John 7, 13, how be it no man spoke openly of, of Jesus for the fear of the Jews. Even people that believed in him, they were, they were fear, so fearful of the Sanhedrin and the Jews and the Pharisees and Sadducees, they wouldn't even speak openly about him. So if, they, if that was the case, then how much was their influence over him everything they tried to say about Jesus? That's why Jesus, we could say, well, why, did, why would Jesus even focus on the religious or even care? Why didn't he just let him go and just get the, get, you know, pull out the ones out of the ditch, the, you know, the poor, the... Well, what they're doing is they're actually trying to contaminate the little ones. They're actually laying down a stumbling block. So he has to remove the stumbling block. He has to remove the things that are trying to entangle the ones that genuinely want it so that they don't, they don't fall. See, it says, do not be a stumbling block unto your brother. We can even be a stumbling block unto another brother or sister when we, have, when we start taking in things and they're trying to genuinely follow God and they hear you say something that's not of God, they stumble over it. So Jesus has to war against it. That's why we... Many people don't understand prophetic ministry. I'm, t- I'm not talking about the, just the prophet, but the mantle of a prophet. It will come to take out all flesh, that no flesh would have glory over God's glory. Or else, many, all of us would stumble. So constantly, the apostle or even a pastor or a teacher or whatever, everybody's building, and a prophet will have to come and nail something that is stopping the building. 
or nail something that is trying to make us think that we should build otherwise. You're going to see even in, later on, it talks about the prophets who put out untempered mortar. And what untempered mortar was, was the, the, the building blocks that were not solid, they were not sturdy, they were not ready to be built with yet. And they were, they were, that's how he said the prophets were like, they were like that, mixing things of the world or mixing things that are half-baked words, whatever, and giving it to the people, but it was a stumbling block. And every city or house divided against itself. So this is what his response, this is how, what, is how he was going to remove all these things, the flesh from trying to, and to get in the way of the spirit. See, the flesh, which always try, is at enmity with the spirit. So we'll always try to warfare against the spirit. We'll always try to make the spirit stumble, but he can't do it. When the, when the spirit's being glorified, when the spirit's allowed to speak, he will never let them stumble. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if I cast out Satan, if, I, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Right? He's saying, if I was Satan, why would I do, come against my own work? If I, was, if I was working for Satan, why would I work against him? That's how he got him out of it. That's how he kept the anointing fresh. Many times the, the, they would come over and be like, this and that all. Well, why are you guys eating bread on the Sabbath? Well, don't you work on the Sabbath and pull, if your donkey or whatever goes in the ditch, don't you pull them out? Don't you do this? See, we, you need to, we need to be in season and out of season. We need to be in the spirit because religious people will come around and they will try to put flies in the anointing. They will come and they will try to make you feel like you're not doing God's work right. They will come and they will make you make they will try to demonize not just you but the work that you're doing. Oh, are you going to the missions field? Well, all these other people go to this. What makes you think here they come trying to, or even not even flies, they'll try to just the oil and water can't mix, so they'll try to throw water on your oil, try to mess up the perfumes of the oil. But you have to be ready because if not, you will feel you will feel, start to feel, your boldness will start to go down. You, you'll start to feel like you're not worthy anymore. Just because someone spoke out of their flesh and the flesh manifested irritation, it starts to mess with you. See, we, that's why we need to get strong. That's why we need to know who we are in Christ. That's why we have to be rooted and grounded in Christ or else another Christ will come and tempt us to follow that Christ. We need to know these things. We need to be ready to answer. We need to be always in season, out of season. Then I'll skip down. And he goes on and on even with them. He doesn't even just finish there. Oh, generations of viper, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speak. Out of the abundance of their flesh, they were speaking. The flesh is what is manifesting the flies. The flesh is what is, is, what is getting in the way. It's what is making a bad aroma. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. He was trying to tell them, you know what's, you know, do you know where you're from? You're actually from Beelzebub. You're actually from the Lord of Flies. You're actually trying to cast me out of your temple by Beelzebub. You're the one bringing the lies because the flies are the lies. The flies that you, the lies that you're bringing in are trying to make it seem like the truth because what did Jesus say? He said, I've come to make, to bear witness of the truth. Because without Jesus coming to bear witness of the truth and establishing the cross and establishing all his words and, and the red lettering, the gospel is not just the cross. The gospel is everything he said, everything he spoke, everything he did. Th those are the gospels. 
It's not just, well, he died on the cross. So he established everything he needed to establish in order that man would not make up their own truth and we would never know and never have a chance. That's why Jesus came. It wasn't just to die. It was also to let us have a chance to eat his flesh and drink his blood. See, when he was coming, he wanted us, yes, that was the goal, drink his blood, but his flesh, we need to eat it or else we will not live. We will not have sustainment of life in, in the spirit. He came to give us another shot at the tree of life because his flesh is the fruit of the tree of life. His, his flesh, every time we eat it, is us eating from the tree of life. It's not a separate thing because the tree of life, what it, he said he is the way, the truth, and the life. So every time we eat Jesus, every time we eat his words, out of the mouth of God shall every man live, we are eating from the tree of life. But if it's not from Jesus, we need to be conscious only of Jesus' words. Everything that is not from his mouth, whether it's from this person, that person, or it's straight from the throne room to you, is from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't matter how good it is. Good is not God, and good is still evil. Matthew 9.10-17, through 17, here's another instance. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they see the Pharisees saw it. And they're like, oh, here's another opportunity. Let's get him now again. Let's bring more flies. You know, let's, let's try to mess. That's what they were trying to get. They were trying to mess up his effectiveness. But what they didn't know was his effectiveness was the oil, the fire, the power of God was invading Israel, was invading everywhere Jesus went. And even if they don't have complete knowledge of that, the devil knew what he was doing through them because he was trying to mess up the oil. Many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him. But when Jesus heard that, he said, on, oh wait, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Here they come again, trying to see. And then every time you can see, even the, the disciples were like, huh, yeah, what about that? Yeah, even when, when he gave away the oil to the woman, Judas says, why would you give, why wouldn't you spend that and give that, why don't you sell it for all the money? And they were like, yeah, even what, what are you doing, Jesus? Why are you doing this? They were even questioning Jesus many times. So Jesus had to protect them from flies getting in the anointing in them. See, it, was, it wasn't Jesus' problem. Jesus didn't have any flesh in him. He was the flesh of God, so, but he had to prevent other people from contaminating what they were hearing and receiving from him. Because, see, what, what, did it, what happened when, he, when Paul said, he said, why is there divisions among you? Because there's other doctrines, there's other things that are coming in from other people. Different sources starting to come in and contaminate what I have poured in. See, what Paul poured in is not the problem. It's what other people try to pour in that is not from God that messes up everything. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So you can be getting all the, all the oil, you can be getting all the word from God, everything you need to do, God's building on top of you. But then here comes just one untempered piece of untempered mortar on your building and the whole thing collapses. Just like he said about, and then we're going to get into the wineskins here. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, but when, why eateth your master Republican sinner? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, that they that behold need, a, need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will, I ha I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast? Why do you fast? Huh? Well, how come you got... Well, why? 
But the disciple, but why do the fair, why do we fast? We're men of God, we're Pharisees, we're the, you know, the king of the crop of the church. We fast, how come your disciples don't fast? Here they are trying to catch him again. And Jesus said unto him, if, and if Jesus did not answer them, what would have happened to the disciples then? Every time Jesus did not answer them and respond to them, well, Jesus, what are you doing? Stop getting in the fight. Stop. Don't argue. Don't try to. I'm not talking about vain arguments that are not in the spirit. I'm talking about when it's the spirit. See, Paul was in. We talk about Paul. Well, Paul was so nice and gentle and loving, but he argued in the temple all day. The Bible recorded that. But it's by the spirit, not the flesh, right? So Jesus had to answer them or else the disciples would go home not thinking, well, why don't we fast? Why don't we? A stumbling block. Again, that's what they are. Every time we get religious, we start to become a stumbling block to ourselves and even others. Well, why don't I do this? Well, how come he's like that and she's like that or I'm not like that? How, how does, how, you're giving yourself a stumbling block. When you let flesh start to exalt itself, it starts to mess with you like flies coming around you. And you're getting distracted when you should be focusing and, and taking in the perfume, the, oil, the perfume of the oil. But here you are. Well, is that what they think of me? Or am I doing this right? Well, should I do more of this? Should I do more of that? See, we need to, that's why the flesh needs to die or else it will mess with us. It will be a wrinkle. It will be a spot in, a, in our feast. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. See, why do they need to fast if, the, if God is right there? See, we fast so that in order we can get closer to God, so we can suppress the flesh, so that we can get the flesh out the way and we can be in the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was in a man right there. Why would they need to fast then? God, it was in the flesh. So we fast because not, but if we're, see, we, we, you can fast all day and, and, and do whatever. But if you're fasting in the spirit, if you're fasting from your temptations and wants and the things of this world, that's the Lord's fast. Isaiah 58, that you would go on to the orphan and the widow, that you would not do the things that you want to do. That's the real fast, because that's what keeps me in the spirit is what, when I stay away from the flesh, walk in the spirit and you shall not walk in the flesh. That's the whole point is the flesh gets in the way. That's why we fast. But he said, he's saying, why would, I, would they fast if the bridegroom is with them? That's what they're fasting for. You fast to make it known. And you put oil on your head saying, I'm fasting today. Nobody feed me food. Don't get, put that food away from me. Don't do. But we fast so we can have more of him. It's not about outward works. It's not about recording and saying, well, here's judgment. Day. Joe fasted this amount of time. So he gets, he's going to get this type of thing in heaven, whatever. No, it's. So we can have our reward. He is our reward. There is no other reward bigger than him himself. As long as the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them. And then shall they fast. Not, not, no man putteth a piece of new cloth onto an old garment. This is what starts to defile our, everything we do. Is when we have things... We, you, you, there could be preachers, there's preachers out there that they actually have the anointing, but because they've been taught their heart's pure, everything's pure, and they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing, but because they have old teachings or old wine still or different things they've learned from man, you, you hear them and you receive from them, it's like, oh, that's good, that's good, or the anointing, but then there's like that slight irritation, but then there's that doctrine, there's, there's that one 
thing, that leaven that he puts, and it leavens your whole lump. Even if you received, even if the power of God was moving, it cannot be full. Your oil cannot be full because there's flies around. There's things around from man, and it'll, it'll start to get to you. Even that's why they say, well, just, brother, eat, the, eat, eat it and spit out the bones. Don't worry about it. Well, yeah, I mean, but how about, how about the young Christians that don't know? Okay, you want me to spit out, whatever, that's fine, but we need to, it says, be perfect as he is perfect. But I'm not talking about a spiritual, God even showed me about this, that this morning. When he was saying, be perfect for I am perfect, he was saying, I'm perfect, be like me. He wasn't saying, this, be perfect as I'm perfect as the, the image of your own perfection or thought of what perfection might look like. He is perfection. So what he's saying is, be me. He says, be perfect in every good work. Does that mean, oh, oh man, my shoe's tied, I'm not perfect. No. Does that mean, oh, I just messed up. I said the wrong thing. I'm not perfect for every good work. No. It's me. Walk, walking in the spirit, walking, being like Christ, this is perfection to us. This is our perfection is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Everything we do that is Christ-like, everything we do that is in the spirit is perfect and good and holy and good and acceptable sacrifice. Be a living sacrifice so that the sacrifice that he did can be effective in our life and he, his perfection, can be shown to the world. His perfection is not the world's perfection. His perfection is just him. Nothing else. So how do I, how do I be perfect every good? Do what he says. Obey his commands. Go Walk as he walked. Talk as he talked. Jesus did nothing unless he saw it from his father. He says, what I hear, I say, and what I see, I do. Not what I see, monkey see, monkey do. No, what I see him do, what I hear him saying, I do it. That's perfection. That's what makes me perfect. And that's what makes me walk in the spirit 24-7 not stumbling in the flesh. But the minute that I hear what I'm saying, the minute that I listen to my flesh and my, struggle, my things that I'm letting myself struggle with, wrestling like Jacob, Jesus didn't wrestle. He wrestled with his will, but he didn't wrestle to hear God. See, it's when we hear God, that shouldn't be the struggle, hearing God. The struggle might come when you hear God, but you don't want to do it. Jesus never was like, okay, let me press in. See, you, sometimes we have to press in because there's things in our heart, on our mind that need to be broken. So you need to stop pressing in. You need to press out from the world. You need to, get, you need to repent. You need to forgive. You need to let whatever is in your heart go so that now he can start downloading you. It isn't a struggle for God to talk to you. It's only a struggle if you make it a struggle. He's right there. He's within us. The kingdom of God is inside of us. We shall, unless you're looking for him to talk to you in the flesh, but he's like, hey, it's not there. It's not here. It's not up there. It's within you. So what, that's, that's what we should be focused on. It says the, the pure in heart shall see God. So if we want to see God, if we want to hear God, we need to make our heart pure. We need to keep our heart pure. If we stop hearing God, that's the minute that we've just walked in impurity. If we stopped hearing God, I'm not saying, I know there's times that God puts you through tests and trials. You better know when that is. But there's times when you're in the flesh and you need to walk in the spirit. You're in the flesh and you need to walk in the spirit to start hearing him. That's where he is. He's in spirit and in truth. And the spirit speaks truth. So if you want to start hearing, that's where you need to go because that's where he is. His kingdom is not a physical kingdom. It's the kingdom of God inside of us. You cannot put an old garment on, on new, new cloth on old garment or else it will tear. 
For that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. When we try to put, receive from God and walk in our own way, but, or walk, yeah, and walk in our own way, things don't work out. The power of God is the traditions of man. Remember like last week, the traditions of man make the gospel of no effect. Right now, Father, we bind every distraction. We bind every fly that's trying to get in the way of the anointing right now, Father. You see how that works? We bind Beelzebub. We bind, but Beelzebub is really all Satan. Satan just comes in to try to distract us from what God is pouring inside of us. But we need to, we need to let the flies die. We need to let the flesh die. 1 Kings 22, 51 through 40, 53. And here's the other part where Beelzebub is in. Ahaz, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father. See, I believe it doesn't matter if your dad is Ahab, you can repent. If it doesn't matter what your parents did, it doesn't matter who this person did, that doesn't mean you need to do it. But he did it. But Ahaz started to walk like his father. And look what he starts to do. See, if you don't start to get the flies out, if you don't start to kill the flesh, the flies will get in the anointing, and he's the, the anointing's him. He's the anointing. He is, his, is the aroma of Christ. So when it starts to kill the aroma of Christ in us and we start to get powerless, we start to give in to the enemy. And look what he does. He walked in the way of his father, God of Israel, for he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked God to anger. See, he, if he didn't know God, if he didn't have a chance to know God, why would God be provoked? Because God knows he doesn't know. But he's the, also the king of Israel, according to all his father had done. And then you go into the next part. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. See, he rebelled. He knew what he was doing. And Ahaz fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent out messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub. The king of Israel was going to inquire of Beelzebub. Why? Because he started to give in to, to the lust of the flesh, to the Baal, to the, to the things of the flesh. And guess what? When you give in to the flesh, your God becomes the king of all flesh, Satan himself. Beelzebub. Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, where, whether I shall recover of this disease. Go ask, go, ask the god, go ask the devil, pretty much, if I'm going to be healed or if he can take this sickness off of me. But the angel Lord said to Elijah, the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, It is not because, it is not because there is not a god in Israel that ye go up to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Is it not because... God is no longer God in Israel? Is it not because you've allowed other gods in? Is it not because you've turned away from them that now you inquire of the devil? Now you inquire of Beelzebub? Now you inquire of the Lord of Flies? It's because when we give up, when we give in, and you start to see these guys, even apostles and prophets, they have let the anointing go rancid. They have let the flies the anointing, and now they're doing motivational speaking. They were once on fire, once tearing down strongholds, once tearing down altars of Baal, and now they're saying, your best life now man and they were just rebuking the best life now man two years ago and now they're doing that or other people that 
because they let the flesh in, you start to see that them doing things different and they're trying to do things a different way. And I know one guy that tries to, he tries to, he once had the anointing, he once preached amazing anointing messages, things were happening. And then he started to let the, get into the system of man, the system of religion, Pharaoh's land. And now he starts to, he tries to preach like all these other guys and tries to be like them. And now it has contaminated the oil. Now flies have gotten the oil. And it's like, it's like the oil is there, but it's not there because now it's gone. The aroma's bad. There's such bad aroma in the air. You can't even, you can't even receive from it. And there's good stuff in there, but it's like, now it's, it's, not, for, it's not for God. It's for man now. It's, it's glorifying himself. And when we try to be like someone else, it's because we're trying to glorify ourselves because we see other people getting the glory and we want their glory, so we try to be like them. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. We dirty up the waters when we do that. When I, if I try to preach like someone else, flies in the anointing. If I try to be like someone else or do the same things that people are doing just because they're doing it and receiving from God, it said, if you do well, Cain, he couldn't just copy Abel. He was talking about his heart. If you do well, you will be received in the beloved. We need to do well in our heart and stop trying to imitate people and imitate things and trying to preach like every guy on TBN and we need to just be ourselves in God and let God lead us. So he went to go inquire of Beelzebub, Ahab too, giving in to Jezebel, Jezebel, Beelzebub, Baal, it almost sounds all the same because it's from the same God. And even Elijah, he let... The fly is getting anointed too because he saw Jezebel and, he, and she spoke to him and then he ran into a cave. He got intimidated. He let intimidation, he let fear of man or what she could do or what the devil could do start to fog up the waters and start to take away his boldness and start, start to make him shrink back. Are you going to let other people's flesh and flies come and start to mess, mess up what you got? And, you're, and you were, he, he wasn't even at fault. God said, I'm not in the rain, I'm not in the wind. I'm not in, just because you feel things and see things and how it's, I'm not in all that. I'm bigger than all that. I'm in you. Yeah. So now you go, Elijah. You go confront the king of Israel. And he got, and what did he do? He tossed that oil out and he got his, he got, he bought more oil. God came to him and poured out more oil and fresh oil and got that rancid stuff out that he let Jezebel and Ahab. So you can let other people mess up your oil and quench the Holy Spirit. We can quit. See, that's what happens. We quench the Holy Spirit, but it might not even be your fault. But if you let somebody manifest, if you let somebody trample over what is of God, the pearls, I'm not talking about in the world, whatever, they're going to do whatever. But when it's coming around and making little ones stumble and messing up the atmosphere, messing up the corporate anointing or messing with little young ones, it says it's better for a millstone to be hung around your neck than you mess with. That's how serious it is. I don't care if, if I'm on the street and somebody says, Oh, what you're preaching is terrible. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You're from Belzebub. I don't care if they do that. But if there's little ones around, if there's other people of God around, if there's other people that were eating and now they're like, am I eating the right thing? Oh my gosh. This, this Pharisee just came out of nowhere. He said this. I don't know. I trust the Pharisees more. I've listened to them all my years. See, you have, you have to confront that spirit when it starts to mess with little ones. That's why God does that all the time. And people are like, Stop doing that. Stop getting the argument. Stop. Why? Just walk away. Elijah wasn't supposed to walk away. See, Elijah listened to walk away, go to the cave and hide out. When he was supposed to get it right up in, in her face and confront them because they were, t 
Why? Because they were taking captive the children of Israel. If it was another kingdom, who cares? Yeah, Elijah, dust off your feet and walk away. But don't walk away if my children are at stake. That's where it gets, that's where the whole thing gets. And why, why was Samson going into a city that was not even serving God and tear the whole thing down? Why? Because they had the children of Israel captive. See, God doesn't care about settings and places and things and arenas where the children of God, nobody's being harmed. Or, but sometimes, though, if the lost are around and they're being fed by God and God's moving and then somebody tries to come and you still need to, even if they may not be a sheep yet or they might not be born again, because you need to keep the devil out and let everybody get the best chance they can in God. Sometimes that's your job and sometimes it's not. You need to know when Jesus says to the disciples, dust off your feet, dust, dust it off and walk away. But there's times where you need to make sure the devil doesn't pounce on a little one. See, we, and we can even allow flies in our life. We can even allow flies around our, our own anointing because we start listening to another spirit. And even when somebody vexes us, if we start to give into it and we start to give into that spirit they put on us, then we start to contaminate ourselves ourselves. We start to do it to ourselves. So we need to keep everything that is not from God out. Because the tree of life, the minute they were eating from the tree of life, the minute that they ate from that other tree, it was done. You cannot eat from both trees. It's over. No, you ate from that tree, you're done. Out. Out of the garden. He will not mix holy and profane things. Colossians 4, 3 through 6. With all praying also for us that God would open up unto us the door of utterance as we speak the mystery of Christ. For which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. He's talking about to people that are without. Who, who's without? Those are who are poor in spirit that are not being fed. Those, the lost, whatever. Redeeming the time. Let your speech. See, go feed the homeless. Feed in the mysteries of Christ and all this, all this stuff. Let your speech always be with grace. Here's another thing. If we don't, do not let Christ speak through us, if we try, see, some of us can, God can tell us to go do something or say something, but if we do it in our own spirit with our own emotions, it starts to bring, it's, it's flesh and it starts to bring flies and, and yeah, that anointing may be there, but then there's an irritation in the spirit still. The atmosphere is not totally clean. It says, let your words be seasoned with salt. Who is the salt of the earth? Christ in us. We try to do it in our own spirit. We try to do it. If I start to preach here with my own anger or my own emotions, this message may still be from God or maybe God told me to do it. But if I do it in my own way, it will mess, it will mess things up. The, the flies will be around. Annoying, things will be irritating. See, that's why we need to be totally clean because we can fog up our the own living waters that come out of us. We start to make them murky like the swamp. Don't make the, the rivers of living water the swamp that you got delivered from. Don't start to minister again like you did in Egypt when you're now in the promised land. See, God is sending a swarm. See, in the, in the Old Testament, God sent a swarm of flies to Egypt to, when they wouldn't let the children of, people, of, of Israel go. And now, Egypt, the religious system, Babylon, the harlot, the great, is, is messing with the children of God, has the children of God captive to pagan traditions, Jezebel, all these things. And now God is sending, I believe, and he already is sending a swarm of flies to the religious church, to the harlot. 
And people in the church are going to start getting irritated with the things that they weren't getting irritated because I know that there's people in the religious church that they see what's going on. They see the merchandising. They see all these things that people are doing, even what bringing in weird Kondalini spirits, but they just turn away from it and they're like, oh, it's okay. We all have faults. We all have... I think there's multitudes of those type of people. But now the flies are coming. God's going to send the flies in Egypt so that they would give up the children of Israel so that the Pharaoh in the religious system would give up the children of Israel that they would come out and have a mass exodus and say, we're tired of this stuff. We're tired of merchandising. We're t- I believe there's a day that's coming. People are going to be tired of what's going on because I believe many of them see it, but they're just not tired of it. It doesn't bother them. See, you can be around somebody and certain things they do because we all have faults, whatever. We all have character problems, whatever the case may be. But we just, it's like, it's all, oh, it's okay. Whatever, we, we know, whatever. We give them grace. And that's what they're doing with the leaders and the, and the ones that are leading them astray. But God is going to start bringing irritations to their ears and their mouth. And they're going to start being like, no, this is rancid. I can't do this anymore. God is going to stop ministering through them because there's even some people God is still using. But eventually he's going to stop using them like he did. And eventually, what does it say? Then the Babylon the Great, when she was judged, then it became a habitation of devils. The religious church is going to start to become a habitation of judgment. It's not that the religious church is going to go away forever or the Babylon system. Eventually, when Jesus comes back and judges the earth, a, that's, a, that's when religion is going to end. But its influence over the real children of God, over the genuine remnant, is going to be wasted. It's going to be done. And what did it say about, about the harlot? Come out of her, my people. Come out of the great whore, the harlot that rides the beast. What is a harlot? Someone that cheats on their husband. Someone that calls, says that they're the husband, but they're against, they're really fornicating around with others. There's an irritation rising. Let your words be seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. Because I don't care how big the revelation, how great the revelation is. I don't care how deep knowledge you get. I can speak the mysteries of God and the, the great things from heaven. Revelation, I can give all my life to the slaughter. But without love, it is nothing. Who is love? Now, does that mean, let me speak so gentle that they like to hear what I say? That's what they do. They try to speak so gentle and loving, but it takes the zing off, takes the anointing off of it. They're... they're that they don't even know that. What if God does want to confront? Jesus took out the quarter whips by the oil, by the anointing. Now, if he did that in his flesh, but Jesus was, they never walked in the flesh. But there's times of confrontation. There's times Jesus called people snakes and kings snakes. This person, that, that person is. He called a woman a dog. And you're going to tell me that's, but if somebody else does it that's not Jesus, but is of Jesus, from Jesus, has Jesus within them, can't do the same thing. That's craziness that's why they always overlook it in the bible when they see stuff like that they're like no 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 that, that's probably somebody put that probably in constantine's time or something because that there's no, there's no way he's love right come on he's all we talk about grace every how can we say he's telling a woman a dog he loves all children equally but then he's whipping people out of the church he's whipping people with whips telling them get out you're a den of thieves he called it what it was that was grace. That was love. 
because he was saving multitudes at that time and he's saving you right now because every time we hear that he casted out the merchandisers and money changers, you get motivated to do the same right now because people are still merchandising and money changing right now. But then now we see Jesus is hard on it because, and Jesus didn't just say, you guys, you need to repent. He went in there and, and, and physically did it. And we just do it with our mouth or whatever. We say things on Facebook or this or that or the third. But he went in there and physically did it. That, I believe God even had in his heart to make sure that he showed the most extreme to show you how much he hates it. That if he was here today, he would go in there himself and, and remove it himself. He did things that he wasn't. When Jesus was ministering, he, he was always ministering as if all eyes were on him. Whether there was only two people around, one person around, or maybe whether there was nobody around, knowing that it would be recorded, because look at, we're observing every situation. Well, what if they looked at that part? What if we looked in the Bible at that part right there where it says, well, if, uh, you, if, if, you're, why, if we fast, why don't your disciples fast? And he said nothing. We would all be like, dumbfounded. We wouldn't, ever, we wouldn't even get it. We'd be like, yeah, the Pharisees are right. Why didn't he say anything? If it said Jesus just walked away, we'd come up with other stuff and be like, yeah, if somebody gets an argument, walk away like Jesus did. No, but he said, he said, the bride, because the bridegroom, he rebuked them. He, God was feeding us, not even knowing, not even thinking about us in the moment, but thinking about everybody around. But at the end of the day, somewhere in God, he was thinking about us and everything he did. He was speaking to us and everything he did because if God is God, doesn't he know that everything he's going to be doing is, record, is going to be recorded? If he's the end before, if he's the end in the beginning, doesn't he know? So he was doing things not to get in arguments and not to, he knows that the Pharisees are from the devils. There's no competition there. But he was watching, he was making, knowing that everybody's going to be watching every situation forever and ever and ever until I come back. They're going to be seeing the situation over and over and over. And every time they see what I do, they're going to get a chance to see my heart and they're going to get a chance to see who I really am. That's what he was doing. And, that's, and that, things are happening like that every day because we are living epistles read by men. Men are reading you every day. What are you putting out? What life are you living? Because the sermon that you should really be preaching is what you're doing. Because people are reading it. Oh, Joe, the, 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 and I, whatever. I know there's grace. I know this thing. I'm just, ta- I'm just saying. That's why it said, make sure that you're conscious. Paul said to them, make sure your conscience is clear so that when men come to revile you, you will not feel blamed. You will, you will feel blameless. That when they come, when the, because the Pharisees have not ceased, they're still around, they will come. And as more attention comes on the children of God, they will come even more. You better get ready. Because we want revival. Guess what? There's going to start to be a revival of Pharisees coming at the church. And they're going to be like, what are you doing? You can't do this. Because it's the devil. He wants to stop the work of God. And that's the best way he can do it. He's, no man could just come in. Like we were watching that video this morning. Some guy tried to come in with a knife to the altar and he just fell under the power of God. If you've, if you've seen it, we've, we sent it on, on the group, on uh, Facebook. And the guy just, boom, right there. was trying to come in and kill the pastor. The, the world, it doesn't matter if the world tries to come in. They won't do nothing because people know it's the world. But the devil is smarter. He know, he's been around. He's studied man. He studied what, and he knows that we he knows he tries to find our weaknesses and he'll come in with religious people and try to nail us. That's why I posted the other day. 
that religious people are waiting for our mistakes to pounce on us. They, are waiting for, they were waiting for every waking moment that they could with Jesus. It said that Satan waited after the 40 days of 49, so that Satan waited for a chance for the most opportune time to tempt him. Religious people wait for the opportune time. That's why it says, let your righteousness be higher than the Pharisees. And like we said again, be perfect in every good work because it's not just about, it's, it's, it's about showing Christ, but it's about making sure they don't see you so that they can bash you. Because the minute they see you, they're going to be like, I got him, throw a dart. And you're going to have to be like, oh, you're right. I'm repent. Who wants to repent to the Pharisees? I don't. Do you really want to go and say, oh, you got me. You're right. Oh, you, I, yeah. You, come on. That's then other people look at that and they're like, it's not about looks. It's not about what people think, but it's about what people think of Christ in you and what, and what you're carrying inside. Because if people start to think otherwise of it, that's when the stumbling blocks come and every time you minister that's in the back of their mind like a fly 1 Corinthians 5 1 through 8 your glorying is not good one of the biggest things is when people minister is the pride even if the anointing is there the pride stinks with it your glorying is not good know ye not that little leaven leaven at the whole lump this is in Corinthians not even in the Old, Old Testament purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be new, a new lump, as ye are unleavened. A little leaven, leaven the whole lump. Even the little pride that we have when we minister or preach or do things or do things for Christ or do things of Christ, it, it gets in the way. It starts, to, it starts to wrestle with what you're putting out. Even if what you're putting out is Christ, you start wrestling out with Christ. The image of you starts wrestling with the image of Christ in somebody else's mind. But if you destroy that image, which is actually the uh, shadow of the image of the beast... Because we were raised up in the world to only know one image, and that's the image of what, how the devil walks, what the devil desires. They've been programming this world and this nation since we've grown up, since we've been babies. Go after your dreams. Do what you want to do. Do what thou wilt. They've been programming generations. It's called the spirit of the age. Since, and they get them at a child's age, at a baby's age, so that they can walk like Satan. What did Satan? Satan wasn't just... Let me kill everybody and do murder and kill and blah, 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 blah. He's killing everybody spiritually. But what he wanted was he wanted to be seen. He wanted to accomplish his dreams and be God. And he got that in a sense by being the God of this world, but he'll be judged anyway. So the same way that Satan manifested his image of being like God, he's like, you be like God, man. Go ahead. Do what you want to do. Go here. Go there. Speak this. Do that. Do what thou wilt. That's why Jesus is always speaking against our will because he knows that is the, the first entry door to Satan. That is the first way that we start worshiping. You're worshiping the image of the beast when you do what thou wilt, when you do it like Satan did. But Satan fell like lightning, and Jesus is exalted above every nation and every tribe, every tongue. So how do we really want to be glorified? Do we really want to be glorified in an image of our own mind, high and lifted up in our own mind? Nobody really cares. Or do we want to be lifted up with Christ and all of heaven is rejoicing with us? That's the, that's the glory that I want. It's His glory. His glory is greater than any glory that we can get ourselves. That's what we don't understand. We're giving Him glory so that we, He can give us glory. The glory of God, that, the Shekinah glory that breaks yokes in our life, that's the glory I want. And it's the glory that glorifies Him again and again. It's like a rotating wheel. The glory comes, He fills us with His glory. And we glor naturally glorify Him because it's the presence and it goes back and back and back and forth. That's the wheel inside the wheel that I want to stay in. I don't want to keep saying, 
Wait. Hey, guys, see me? Look at me. No, that's, I want to stay in receiving from him and giving back to him and ministering to him and me ministering to them and them seeing him, not me. It's him, not us. Your glorifying is not good. Know ye that not a little leaven, leaven a whole lump, I've already read that, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, because the old leaven is going to start to contaminate you. It's going to start to, it's going to start to quench me. Therefore, let us keep the feast. And that's what these guys that are like, these Hebrew Jewish guys, and some of them, I know one guy, he was preaching all these things on, online and doing all these things, and he was even setting people free, had a big following for a while. Then the minute that he started stepping into all these feast days and getting so crazed about all the, the Hebrew root stuff, it started to make the anointing stink. And it's not even the anointing anymore. It's now his flesh. And then he's trying to give off the same, trying to walk in the same way and trying to do the same thing. And nobody even likes his posts anymore. Nobody's even around. It's because flies have gotten the anointing. It's because old ways, the old covenant. He tried to add a, a new garment to an old garment. But it says it, it, will be, it will rip out. Jesus said it will rip out. Trying to pour new wine in old wineskins. These are what make the anointing contaminated. Almost done. Not with, neither with the leaven of mal, even malice and wickedness. Things, he's talking about regular things of the flesh. He's no longer talking about traditions of man anymore that make the gospel no He's talking about regular physical things, flesh, that is actually a leaven to us. Walking in a fence and, and having things in your heart that are not of God, it starts to leaven up the lump. It's not just religion and things of, 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 of tradition. and relig- It's also things of the world, things of the flesh. The flesh is, comes around the anointing, and then that's when things start to mess up. But with unleavened bread of sincerity from a right heart, from a pure place, and truth. That's unleavened bread. Sincerity and truth from a pure heart, from a pure place, pouring out the pure river. We're trying to pour out the rivers of living water from our belly, and it's getting to our heart. And because our heart is not pure, we still put it out, but it's, there's contamination in it. It's, it starts to end up being swampy waters. Even though the water was from God, the way when we start to do it through our own heart or our own spirit with our, and our flesh is in the way, it starts, to, it starts to stink. It starts to mess things up. It starts to mess up the atmosphere. The flies stay by the swamp. If, the, if I bring the swamp in my life, religion or tradition or whatever, or the world, the flies start coming back around. Irritations start coming back around. Ezekiel 22, 23-30. Alright, let's go to 26 for time. Oh wait, 25. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof like a roaring lion raving the prey. They have devoured souls. They're talking about a land that was serving God. People that were serving God. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. They have made people that were married to me, made people that were of me. They have now made them widows. They have now made them poor. They have now made them naked. This is what's going on right now. They are making people that are married to God, grooms or brides of the bridegroom, unmarried and widowed and single in the spirit again, going after other bridegrooms. Because, in 26, her priests have violated my law. Her priests, her preachers, her teachers, her apostles, her evangelists, the ones on TV, the ones that are doing all these things, 
have profaned mine holy things, they have not put no difference between holy and profane things. Neither they have sued difference between clean and unclean. Ministering things that are clean with things that are unclean. Telling you to sow and reap, but saying, support my ministry so I can have a, this or that or the third, or, or, or manipulating people. I'm not talking about, I'm not coming against any of that, but I'm com- what I'm coming against is the heart of vanity that they mix with an actual uh, principle of God. See, they take the vanity that's in their heart and the lust in their heart, and they take something that's genuine and clean, like sowing and reaping, because sowing and reaping, and then people don't even want to sow and reap anymore because they're like, are you kidding me? It's all about money. It's all about having and keeping because they heard one preacher on TV and it messes with them now because they, they don't even realize it wasn't even the sowing and reaping that was the problem. It was the vanity and lust behind their heart that was actually irritating them. See, they were getting ministered to something that was actually of God. Everything they may have said could be, have been from God, but it was the heart that was behind it because a spiritual man can judge all things because the spiritual man knows all things and feels all things in the spirit. You, start, you know when we're spiritually discerned and actually and really walking in the spirit, we start to know what's coming out of people's mouth. And we can e- you can even know, come to a place where you hear God in the person, or, and then you start to know when it's them and when it's God and when it's them. We need to get the them out. That's what they're doing. And their heart is making an aroma of, of it's, all about get, it's all about giving the get. And not, yeah, it is about receiving but receiving from God and I don't I don't have to go out there and manipulate people say do this and I'll give you an oil for 20 bucks to give to me for free and I'll give to you they just call it like it's really a marketplace trade but they just call it like it's you're just donating trust me you're just donating but I'm giving you this in return it's all a game. It's, it's, that's how they play it around so they can't be guilty of money changing but they really are just doing the same thing without saying it Mixing holy and profane things. And then people that are ministering. Here's the other kicker too. You got the ministries on the other side of America, on the West Coast. I'm not even going to name it. But they're ministering things of God, principles of God, awesome things that are from heaven or may have once been ministered to them by heaven. But they're ministering to you about that through another spirit. And it gets you to burn for a worldly, in a worldly way for a right thing. What is in your mind is, is actually a way that Christ would do or think, but the spirit of it and the way that it makes you do what you carry out what's in your mind is not of God. And it's, and it's contaminating and there's flies in it, but people think it is because there's something right about that, but, but real people can say, but something's not right at the same time. There's something right about it. Oh, that's in the Bible, man, look. Spirit and truth. I don't want to just hear the truth. I want to hear the spirit in the truth, of the truth, from the truth. I want to hear the spirit speak the truth. I don't want to hear you speak the truth. I want to hear him speak the truth. And whatever truth he speaks is the truth I need to hear. And the truth that will set me free. Truth from man will bind you. Truth from God will set you free. That's the truth we need to hear. Difference between unclean and clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. I'm not talking about Sabbaths like Sunday Sabbath. We're talking about Sabbath. Because what now our Sabbath is every day. They've hidden my eyes from telling you that you should be serving God every day and not serving yourself here and there. That's the trick about the whole Sabbath thing, too. They want they exalt Saturday and Sunday because they know deep down they want to live for the world during the week. 
and they want to set apart one day. And it's like, why are you so crazy? And it sounds so spiritual about the Sabbath. But it's because they still want to do what they want to do. So they adopt these doctrines that help them do what they still can do. That's why they fight you on it. Because they're fighting you on letting them still do what they want to do in the flesh, in the world. So that when God comes, they can say, well, God, I, the Sabbath, I honor the Sabbath. You said honor the Sabbath and I'll live all my days. But he was saying, no, you didn't honor me, though. I am the Sabbath. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. I am the day. The day the Lord is here. The day the Lord is near. Today is the day of salvation. But you made salvation in a day and not in a man. Not the one that died for you. Apparently the Sabbath died for you and rose again. But here am I. What are you doing? Just worshiping me on Sunday. I only hear you talk on Sunday. You only hear me if I even speak to you on Sunday. But on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday... You're out with the boys and doing all this, and even if you're not doing bad things, you're still doing it for yourself. It said, this is the fast. This is, the, this is pure religion, that you would lay down all your life and you would go on to the poor, the widow, the orphan. You were once an orphan. I was once a widow. You were once a, 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 a poor. You were once needy for God. And that's just talking about, it doesn't mean go out and make orphanages. And I mean, God might still do that, I'm saying. But when he was saying the poor widow, the orphan, he was talking about the people who need me, the people who are lost, the people who are poor in spirit. Go on to them, live for the body of Christ, and you will live for Christ. That is what that means. But they want to live. And God's telling them the same thing. Pure religion, you're doing religion. By not going on to them and only going out to them on Sunday. Her princes, in the midst of thereof, are like wolves, ravening the prey, to shed blood and destroy souls. He's talking about ministers. He's talking about they're doing this. Shedding blood. And remember it says that the, the harlot is the, she shed the blood of the saints. They're shedding the blood of the saints right now in the church. Not giving the, giving the, see sometimes it's not about what they preach. It's about what they don't preach. Untempered mortar. Word that is without the fullness or without the solidness of the real rock of the Word of God. They'll tell you the good things about the Word of God, but they won't give you the whole feast. They'll just give you the, the dessert, but not serve you the corn, the meat, the, mashed, the potatoes, the meat and potatoes of the Word, because they want to draw you in with that. Everybody knows that that's kind of sometimes what God will draw people. He'll draw them in with the desserts, the promises of, of God, all the good things of God. And then, when, then they come in, and then he says, but eat my flesh and drink my blood. To a worldly mindset, to a lost man's mindset, that's like, oh, no, I'm not, it involves that, I'm not in. But because they don't understand. But then when they understand how good it is to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, then they want to do it. But they're trying, their method is, because it says that I will draw, the, God, the Father will draw all men unto the Son. So they will say, so they will try to draw all men by the good things of the Father, the goodness of God. See, we don't draw men by the, it says, let, let them see the goodness of God, but we don't draw them just by the goodness of God. God is good. We release God. We give them whatever he gives us, and he's good to them. He comforts the, the, the ones who need to be comforted. He clothes the, the poor. He clothes the needy, and then he draws them on to Christ in us or whoever, wherever, God, wherever Christ is for them. Christ is in different places for certain people. For certain people, it's in China and Russia. However, some people, it's here in America or in Brazil, wherever God has you. See, I don't just want Christ. I want wherever he wants me, wherever he is for me, because he's going to be in a different place for certain people and a different place for other people, but it's about where he is. 
destroy the souls, to get this honest gain. That's what the point is, to get this honest gain, to get numbers, to get you and their church, to get, they do the Easter thing really because they want more people to show up that day. Let's max it out in here, baby. Max it out, because on Easter Sunday and all these days that we do, they know what they're doing. It's not even about the tradition. They actually, they do it because they know it's a money maker. They know it's going to get max out the tithes and offerings. They know it's going to get people possibly, because, you know, let's be honest, I've been, when I was in the world and I was in the Catholic church, I went to Easter service. I went to this. Sometimes after the service, you got to think how they think. Some people end up staying the next Sunday, the next Sunday. Some people maybe even start coming. So they think of it as like, oh, if we get all these you know, uh, all these 100% of people, at least 10% will stay or want to, then they'll become more donors. That's why they don't want to give it up. And Shane was not beating a dead horse because that's what's really going on. That's the greater problem of it is it's a moneymaker. Christmas is a moneymaker. So they bring it in the church. Maybe Nicolation, the guy, whatever, Nicolate, whatever his name, Nicholas, I don't know. Maybe he was a money changer in the church too and that's why he brought it in. Oh, we can save, maybe it was a genuine thing. We can save souls by bringing in Christmas. Everybody loves Christmas. That's what it was. That's what it is in some churches in like India and Africa and all these places. Christmas will attract everybody and then we'll preach the gospel to them. But then you get to them and then they're preaching about themselves still. Then they're still talking about their church and we go to this and we go there. We, pour, we feed the needy. And then people actually want to come. And then because they want to keep everybody, they start even dimming down the gospel even more. And they're like, whoa, 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 we never had this many people in the church. Let's start really putting, making it a fluffy dog or a little sugary piece of meat. This, this, let's put some sugar on that meat. You ever had meat with sugar on it? Nope, I haven't either. I put salt on mine, and it tastes good, and it, and it, and it feels healthy. If I put sugar on it, wouldn't that feel disgusting? But they do it because... That's what people are. You know what? Let's stop even giving them meat. Let's just give them straight candy right now because it's Halloween. Let's start, let's start doing it. And they bring in Halloween. It's just a chunk of tree. We're not bringing it in the church. Look, the church is over there. We're in the parking lot. No harm, no foul. Right? But it's, it's all because they want money. Because look, right, right here, it says in the Bible. It's the same, the same word that it ha- was going on is a, is a shadow and image of what is happening now. That's why people say, don't look, don't read the Old Testament. It's all the New Testament. But guess what? You're missing types and shadows of what's happening now. You know why they don't read the type and the shadow? It's because they don't want to read about themselves. They don't want to read that they're the ones money changing. Actually, the Old Testament talks about money changing and, and all these things more than the New Testament probably ever does at all in a whole. Always talking about how they're at the prophets that prophesy you lie. It's for gain. The, the shepherds that lead you astray, it's for gain. The one that does this, it's for gain. They want to get something out of you. If it wasn't about getting something out of you and they really genuinely wanted Christ, Christ would lead them to lead you the right way. But it's all about what's in their heart. What, is, what do they want? I will, you, can, you can say, if you really want to judge who people should be hearing in the church today, you should ask yourself this question. Whoever I'm listening to, wherever, whoever's preaching or whatever fivefold minister it is, what do they want in their heart? Do they really want God and do they really want real revival and stuff? Or do they, or, or they do want God, but they also want gain. Yeah. See, they cannot, the anointing needs to be pure. Their heart needs to be pure. If the heart, if the heart is pure, the anointing will be pure. The living water will come out pure. Yes, they're giving the living water, but 
the heart is not pure and it becomes impure to you. And to some it won't be because God will minister through it and all, but he's tired of doing it. God is tired of having to minister through grooves of religion that we're being fed and say, all right, cut through there. Let me get through that crevice. God wants to be able to just come right in the door. Because then the harm of still, still them being in the system is that they come to the real kingdom and there's all these things that then the church has to labor more to break things of old or else we'll never get anywhere. And our prophets have dabbed with untempered mortar, seeing vanity, seeing what they want, their dreams are, well, look at all I'm going to gain from this. And diving lie, di- di- divining lies unto them, Divina- divination, speaking to you things of God for the things of man so that they can gain the things of man. Seek, speaking the things of God to please man so that they can please themselves. You know why you please man? And Shane wrote about this one time. Because you want to please yourself. Man pleasers are self-pleasers. If you weren't worried about pleasing yourself, you would just live like yourself. But that's what the root of it is. And that's why they man please the people is because they want to be, they want to be lifted up. They want everybody to give it to them. Thus saith the Lord, and the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression, exercised robbery. He calls it robbery. They're robbing everybody. And have vexed the poor, have vexed the needy. Yeah, they oppress the stranger wrongfully. Even coming in, people's probably passing on the street saying, oh, that's the church. Let me, I, I kind of been thinking about Jesus. Let me go in. And then when they come in, they're even more lost. They're like, wow, I, was more, I, was, I knew what was happening out there, but now I'm even more lost. I don't even know what the heck is going on in here. They're making the lost even more lost. They're scattering the lost, and the lost is already scattered. Now they're so, now they make them confused, and that's why they come back and abuse the church and say, well, this, that, and the third about the church, because they've been around the harlot system. They've been around the church, and that's why they come against God, because they've heard another God that says that they're God. And, and here's the one, the encouraging thing for us all before I, we start closing here. And I sought for a man among them that should make the hedge and stand in the gap before me in the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. See, God did not destroy Israel at the time then either because he found the man and his name was Elijah. And he stood in the gap for the city. When there was a famine, he stood in the gap literally and rain came. We are going to stand. See, we, we think, we, some of us think, well, why are we so bothered with the religious church and blah, blah, Because God is calling, he's not, he doesn't care about the system itself. He's calling the people that are in it out. And we're standing in the gap for them. We're still here. Why do you always preach about religion? Why do you always preach about doctrines of man? And this, because we're calling the people out. Because we're standing in the gap. This is love. This is not a soapbox. This is not uh, people venting. This is saving the lost in the church that says that they're found. They are lost and they think they're found. So we, the church of Jesus Christ all over the world, the remnant church is standing in the gap for the harlot church. And we, if, they, if he does not, he, because he did not find a man, he judged. He judged that city. He judged Ahaz. He judged all of them. But we can be in the gap. It says that we, what does the Bible say? It says that we in the last day will even judge with his judgment. Right now, we're, we can be preventing judgments of God on a nation if we would 
press through in the spirit, not in the flesh, because people try to press in for things in the flesh that God's, not, God's left alone. But God wants to, we are his hands and feet. So if he doesn't have hands and feet on the earth to do what he needs to do, he just lets it go. See, we have a part in God's mercy for the, for the world, for the, for the land or wherever we are. We're not going to save the whole world by ourselves. Or Jesus is going to save the world through his bride, his body. See, we are connected to the Savior of the world, the body. We are, we are taking part in his work to save the lost. And he's, he said his will is to save all the lost. But we know he's not going to do that because then some are going to perish or whatever. But he's going, that's his will. That's what he wants. And we're here to see where everything God's doing. We see what God's doing. The prophecies, even for God himself, is a prophecy for you too because you're taking part in that. In the last day, in these days, whatever he's doing it, he says that he's even riding the horse and there's even other saints riding with him. He doesn't do it alone. He does it with us. He does everything with his wife. You know how a husband, he may do all the things and make the decisions, but he counsels with his, what do you think? He doesn't let the wife decide and take control, but he says, what are you, what are you getting? What are you thinking? What, that's how God is with us. What do you, he, even, we, even like we were learning on the other night, even we minister to God at times. God in us feeds God in, 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 in himself. He, we feed him with, our, with, with himself in us. What he's implanted in us, we give it back to him and put it at his feet. We have, we, are, we have a big task. We have a big duty, a big position. We are co-heirs with the Son of God at the right hand of the Father. We are, not under the, we are not just at the right hand of the Father looking at the Son and seeing, oh, he's interceding for... No, we are with him at the right hand of the Father, co-heirs with him because he is in us. And if he is in us, the right hand of the Father is with us. We have all power and authority. We will drink any deadly thing and it shall not harm us. We shall trample on serpents and we shall not be harmed. We shall go on to the nations and preach the gospel. And even like that guy that tried to mess with Paul and tried to say, he, even Paul blinded him. He was trying to put flies in the anointing then and Paul blinded him. We need to go. Our feet are shod. We need to follow in his steps. Go where he's going. Everybody stand up. Ecclesiastes 10. And I was surprised to see this at the end, at, in this one. Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. So does one little foolishness in a person make the wise things in him unwise anymore and 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 see it's like the perfumer's odor it, it's it smells like the perfume that it's given on. it smells great it smells good like a pleasing aroma but the flies they come in and they they make it foul now we need to keep the perfume we need, we need to keep the odor we need to keep the sacrifice when we he even said when you give the sacrifice cut off the fat when you give the sacrifice the spots and blemishes need to go See, we're removing the spots and blemishes that, there, that nothing would contaminate the anointing. We're prote- everything we do, everything fivefold ministers do, is to protect the oil. We need to at all costs protect the oil in us. Because we can even vex ourselves with our own flesh. We can even put dead flies in our own anointing with whatever flesh that we allow to come. Father, right now we thank you, Lord. That you just cleanse us right now, Father, from every unclean thing. We don't want that to be holy and profane things. We don't want that to be the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. We don't want that to be the spirit and the flesh. But we want to kill the flesh, Father. 
or the flesh will kill us, Father. But we are not intimidated by the flesh because he has overcome the world, Father. We are not intimidated by what's going on in the world because if we are intimidated by it, it would even be a fly in our anointing. It will even dim our spirit. It will, it will make us hopeless. When he said, I am the Prince of Peace and I, have, I am the Rock of Hope. If your hope is being vexed, you're allowing the flies in the anointing. He is the anointing. What are you allowing? What Christ's word, what he implanted in us, what he put in us, what are you allowing to let that be quenched? You might not even just be quenching God, you might be quenching yourself. Stop quenching yourself with the thoughts of worry, fear. He said, fear not 365 times for every day that you live. And if you need to read every single 365 once a day, you need better do it so that you can protect the oil in you, so that you can protect what God has given you. It said, let no man take your crown. Let no man take your seat at the table. Do not let the enemy vex you. Do not let him steal your conscience. Repent, forgive, give, and it shall be given. Do as he does, and he will do as he did to, for Jesus to you. And we shall do greater works than these. Casting out demons, healing the sick, for everyone that believes. Oh, Father, cleanse us. Father, keep the flies away. We destroy every deadly thing that tries to come, Father, and kill our spirit. We destroy the knowledge of good and evil for good. Take it out. Rip it out. Every tree, Father. Every root, Father. Every vine that is not the vine dresser from the vine dresser. Take it off. Every counterfeit. Rip it out, Father. That we may be able to live and dine with you without spots and wrinkles in our feast. In Jesus' name, amen.